Shut up and sit down. We're not here. And like magic. Yeah, like magic. When you turn the volume up on your headphones, you can hear something. You're like Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh, he's pretty cool. He's a lot cooler than I am. That's for damn sure. I like Bill Nye. No, gr- no disagreements here. He uh, he's getting his own show on Netflix. I or saw that. Amazon Prime. I can't mm, remember. Which I one. think on Netflix. Yeah. So is he redoing the old? Yeah, Bill Nye the Science Guy. I think that's cool. I think he's keeping all the the. I think he has all the rights to it now. Plus, he's keeping the bow tie industry in business. So, I mean, I support that. You know, I like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Actually, it's too he's bad coming. To, Did you know that? He's coming to Utah. Nice. He will and be at the new Eccles Theater with the Zion ceiling. He can't have a beer. No. Yeah. No. Or so wine. You can't say. <laughs> Did they put up a canopy yet? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you can't say, well, I like this other guy instead of Bill Nye. They're not competing, man. They're brothers in arms. They're scientists. Yeah, but they are competing. They are both They both have shows with competing audiences. If they were on at the same time, I would agree with that, but they're One's not. One's just better. Well, that's true. And one's on Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, uh, I've been watching... Uh, Luke Cage. Well, No, I haven't um, watched that yet, so shut the hell up. I don't want to hear any stories. I haven't watched it. I did watch the Amanda Such Knox documentary this weekend, though. Nice. So, I, 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 just a little behind the curtain of my life, I work in a home office, and I would sit in silence all day, but it would drive me bonkers. I have to have noise. So, when it's not talk radio or podcasts... I just have a TV in here that just plays random crap on Netflix all day. So I try to find shows that I can just really not pay attention to. Um, so I found this one on Netflix called The Ranch. It's got Aston Kutcher and a few other people. It's got a laugh track, which is really disappointing because I don't think it needs it. It's really, <laughs> really snarky. It's, it's, it's a total sitcom. You know, you get a, a liner every couple of lines. So, um, but it's funny. I liked it. It was a good show that I could just kind of have on in the background and laugh every once in a while. But I started watching Longmire today. Have you guys watched that yet? I haven't seen that one. Man, that's a good show. If you like gritty Western type stuff, Longmire is is definitely a show to watch. You know, if you like Longmire, another show you might really enjoy is called The Wild Wild West. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm the only person that actually likes that movie. So the song Wild no, Wild West. No, no, the, West. the TV series. Oh, I the have old? it all. It's amazing. This is not a joke. Do you have it on VHS? Is that <laughs> yes, I have a legitimate <laughs> copy on VHS. <laughs> I still use my VCR. Speaking what? of VHS, Josh, you should introduce yourself. Well, first let's introduce who we are because we're like, what, a couple minutes into the podcast and no one even knows who we are. We're the New Utah Podcast. <laughs> this is uh, episode 19. Oh, they know. They, they know, know who we are. Hopefully. <laughs> that means we're almost to a quarter of a century, you guys. We uh, can, we're two yeah. episodes away from being able to drink. Thank God. Well, now we can buy cigarettes legally in and Utah. Votes. And, and donuts. And vote. Yes, votes. and donuts. Legal donuts. <laughs> By the way, if you don't know, you can vote for Misty K. Snow uh, this upcoming election. Your uh, Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate. Uh, she'll be on every ballot in the state of Utah. So please get out and vote, even if you don't vote for her. Even if you live in Panguitch. But you should vote for her. You should. She's Not really likely. Awesome. And if you want to hear more about her, we don't really talk about it this that much anymore, but we actually do a second podcast called The Snowstorm that uh, will come out on Wednesday mornings with ours um, that is just 
a half hour. We sit down with Misty and uh, talk about uh, current issues, things that uh, uh, she's campaigning for, and, and things that Mike Lee sucks at. So, so if you want to feel the frostbite, <laughs> join us in the snowstorm. <laughs> pants optional. Please wear your pants. Don't wear um, your pants. Well, I mean, if you're just sitting at home listening, feel Nobody free. wants frostbite without pants on. That's true. Well, no that's true. one. Misty Killer Snow, she'll get you. Misty K Killer so, Snow. So, let me introduce you to the room. Uh, to my, uh, my left. <laughs> introduction. My left, I have Jeremy. Good afternoon, evening, morning, whatever time it is you're listening to this. I'm Jeremy. Happy to be here. Fingers okay. Still have all my hair. That was very radio. That was nice. Yeah. Thank you. I've been practicing like yeah. all day. In my car, driving. <laughs> you do have a lot more gray hair. I think that trip to Disneyland with the kids probably contributed a bit to that. It ages, yeah. Yeah, I bet it does. But it's fun. Across from Jeremy, we have uh, Joshua. Good day. At any point of the day, that is your day. This is Josh. That was not as good of a radio impression. You know, impression. blow me. <laughs> blow me a lot. Well, you did pay me $40 uh, for hot Hot lovin'. Lovin'. That's right. That was hilarious. Oh, right. Hopefully the, the bank will actually... Chris is know, worth more than that. that. Uh, I want change back, actually, for the hot <laughs> loving, because I may have overpaid. Anyway, this you, is Josh Butterfield. Not the radio voice, apparently. Also not Toxic Slime Avenger. Not our pod administrator, and not our mistress of the night. So. We need to talk about that. I think you're getting two different things con- like mixed up. So Elvira is mistress of the dark... And Rocky Horror Picture Show is Creature of the yeah, Night. Yeah, Creature of the Night. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But that's okay. Mistress of the know. Night works. Jess is the mistress of the events. So you're the mistress only at night. No, it's probably better no, that way. <laughs> no daytime secretary shit going on there. <laughs> well, you know. Well, I mean, Although. I don't know what you do in your day job. <laughs> so. Yes. Well, uh, speaking. But up. speaking is Jessica. Yes. Hi, this is Jessica. <laughs> you're a little bit of Jessica. Here I am. Wow. I did it again. <laughs> really did that it. really worked. You she really came up it. with her own motto. And That's a song. You should play that song in the background. It's like uh, granite furniture. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, with us today, we also have a special guest from uh, Beehive Distillery or Beehive Distilling, uh, Chris Barlow. Yeah. That's do. you. Woot! <laughs> that is me. Still. Uh, Still. So we'll, we'll obviously uh, interview Chris a little bit later in the show, but uh, he's with us. And I am your host. Uh, your your glorious person that has to put up with Josh Butterfield at least once a week, usually twice a week. Woot! Uh, <laughs> we're more, all, more like three times a week, I think, on typical average. Yeah, probably. And probably. some weekends. So can I tell you, my uh, it, it, I've had a really calm, relaxing weekend really coming into today. So Thursday night, my uh, cell phone decided to just shit itself and not turn on. <laughs> and, uh, and if you've ever so, seen a cell phone shit itself, it's, well, it's like it, making honey with bees. Well, it's not the same as when the Samsung, you know, uh, explodes in your explodes. pocket. Galaxies were blowing it takes up. Takes your leg people. off. Yeah, massive de- burns right in your thigh muscle. Um, no, so it stopped working. So I go into Verizon the next morning. You know, I'm there when the doors open. Uh, obviously, all I can really do because I have a little bit older phone is ship me a replacement. So on a Friday, it gets here on a Monday. So Monday afternoon, late in the afternoon, I finally get the phone and I go to turn it on and it goes to a blue screen and then black. Is that like a blue screen of death? Black uh, screens matter. Uh, the blue screen, I don't know. What is it about? I mean, All maybe someone matter. smarter than don't me you say in that. IT ways can tell me. But blue screen. blue screen seems to be a universal uh, 
error because it did not work. And I go to Verizon, uh, and they sent me a new phone. I got it this morning. Um, but the guy was like, cause I'm at this point, I'm without my phone for four days, two full business days, looking at at least one or two more. And the guy says, well, you can buy a phone at retail price. So like five, six hundred dollars, then return it when you get the replacement phone in the mail and uh, pay a $35 restocking fee on the return. I about shit my pants. But the moral of the story is I have a phone now. Uh, I didn't realize how much having a cell phone uh, stresses me out when I'm working because I'm getting calls and text messages to do other shit while I'm in the middle of doing something else. So it was nice not having a phone. I'm a little sad I have one again. <laughs> do you guys do anything fun this crazy stormy weekend that we had? Josh, what did we do this weekend? So once again, Jeremy and I braved the bees and uh, cultivated some honey and can I tell you, it feels great to be an atheist and an atheist. I'm an atheist, an atheist, atheist. atheist. Who was I talking to that uh, their dog got in a, uh, like a ground wasp nest? Well, those are bad. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day. And, uh, Did got the st- dog live? It lived, but he's in pretty bad shape. Uh, but he got stung like 20 or 30 times Yikes. in the face. Yeesh. That's yeah, it's just like, oh, what's this thing? I'm just going to keep messing with it and tell it. Oh, poor it fucks dog. me up. So they had to take him to the vet and just a whole whole thing. Dogs dogs are going to live, but uh, oh, it was my my work buddy that was telling me that. So anyway, so you guys did bees. So did we did bees. So we got seven more pints this weekend, and that's it. We closed it up for the year, so we're done with bees for the season. But uh, that makes about twenty five, twenty six pints this season. So it's a that's a lot of honey. It's a record for, yeah. for this is the best hive I've had in six years. That's and awesome. we have this process on lockdown. Like, we're like the Ghostbusters. We get in there. <laughs> we got our gear on. This we're waving Josh, wands. Who's done it now two times. Hey. And thinks he's an expert. Lockdown. LD. With my, my homemade vacuum device. It was, I mean, it, it, it was <laughs> Let's be honest. Sailor. Everything involved there, Jeremy, is homemade for That's you. true. From the hive to just about everything. Well, for those of you that don't know, Jeremy is a practicing green architect, so he doesn't just spout the shit off like it's something that he does. He actually does it. Exactly. So greenhouse made my greenhouse. Your own windmill. Your own like he makes it out of poop and thatch. Crazy (laughs) thermal window heaters. You took those out though, right? When you guys had to redo the side. Yeah, I took way out. Last year's disaster. I ended up taking them because I had them fit. They they were fitting in there so well that when I took them out, I had to. Dismantle them, so yeah, that was the end of that. You you plan on putting them back in? That saved you a lot on heat bills, didn't it? It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Those things would put out about two hundred degrees, just thermal blasters out of your window. That's crazy. Cool. That's pretty. So so I I know I I know I'm getting slightly ahead of myself, but with the bees, I wanted to talk just briefly. Uh, This last week, um, they put seven species of bees on the endangered species list. Yeah, they're they're all they're all bee species native to Hawaii, though, right? Yes, yes, but that is that's true. that's significant. Um, you know, bees are native pollinators, so not just you know your local you know hobby bees like you have, but but bees all over the place. I mean, they're really the primary pollination service for agriculture, and it's a you know nine billion dollar industry. Uh, I in I try US. to get out there and pollinate myself. <laughs> There's only so much one man can do. Just dabbing my fingertips in the little gentle buds and. Running around, and I, you can't see a podcast, listeners, but I'm actually like shaking my fingers <laughs> as if to shake loose the pollen. Well, I mean, it's significant because what it's showing is there is such an increase in colony collapse 
and in, you know, just general unavailability of bees out there. Well, bees have never been put on an endangered species list before. So it's scary, not just for us hobby bee people, but what people don't realize is it affects farming in general, meaning the food we eat. Yeah, our food chain is, is heavily impacted by it. Not just the food we eat, but the food our animals that we eat eat. Right. Well, for example, corn... Only, I think it's like 3 or 4% of the corn grown is actually consumed by humans. Yeah, most of it gets turned into biofuels, right. and then even more of that really gets fed to animals. Yeah, feed for animals, exactly. So, I mean, it's it's bigger than just the human population that's affected by this. And isn't isn't there a big problem uh, lately with Africanized bees that are coming in and with their... Like, yeah, that can be a problem. The, the problem ways. with Africanized bees is there have been issues of Af- Africanized bees, but it freaks everybody out to where if they think there is a case of it, they'll go in and they'll destroy whole hives. Instead of just letting the hives exist or finding out if they're Africanized. Yeah, if it really is or not. You know, the Africanized first bees ask just, questions later. Well, and the Africanized bees are fine if you leave them alone. They get dangerous when they're in they're a, just super a, an urban aggressive. environment because they're so aggressive. They've all like got you tattoos. Can, and well, you can run a lawnmower. Like Jeremy can mow his lawn, and his bees don't give a shit. We go over to his house all the time. I never see the bees yeah, unless I go to the hive. In the backyard, 80,000 bees, and you don't see a I never one. see a single bee unless I walk over to the hive. But, you know, when you've got these Africanized bees, you run your lawnmower, you know, 100 feet from the hive, and they start coming after you. So just a much more aggressive strain of bee, which was genetically engineered to begin with, right? Yeah. It was, it was Whoa, supposed they're weaponized to, bugs? Yeah, pretty much. I've seen this movie. Well, and that's the other thing about the endangered species list. You don't hear a lot about insects being put on that list. You know, right. you usually think of like your big cats and I elephants I want to say this is rhinos. the first insect. I could be wrong, but I want to say this is the first insect to ever be put on an endangered species list. Yeah, I don't have that kind of... Uh, that kind of <laughs> too bad, Mister Case knows that here. She'd know. <laughs> she'd know. She'd tell you the exact number and date of the last insect that was put on the endangered species list. <laughs> anyway, didn't want to derail us with that. I just thought that was a, a important story. Yeah, I I think it's a huge deal. Uh, honestly, um, all right. So uh, what do we got going on this week, Jess? Uh, it's uh, it's Halloween season, so that's the first thing I know we got going on, right? Creature of the night. Yeah. Creature of the night. <laughs> Creature so, so of the night. Of, speaking of Rocky Horror, <laughs> I, was in a, I was in a panel at Comic-Con. We were in a panel about podcasting. And right. there was a guy there that had a he podcast a, yeah. that is I think, Strictly Rocky the Rocky Horror, Horror podcast. Mm-hmm. And the biggest question was, how, how much do you, can you talk about? Yeah, it's Seven great, episodes and it kind like, of fizzles out. How much can you talk about it? Then he got into the fact that really it's a lot of it's about like LGBTQ, you know, issues and, and things like that, which makes a lot of there's sense. There's always more to it. But still, there's a podcast completely dedicated to Rocky Horror. I want to be on that podcast. I do too. I, I could <laughs> sing every song. I know them all. Want to hear? I listen to it all the time. Go ahead and request one. Any song. No. No. Damn it. No one wants to listen to you sing. (laughs) The river was deep, but I swam it. Janet. Janet. (laughs) (laughs) So don't tell me to can it. Sorry. Janet. Um, so come, we're going to skip ahead and remind you again next weekend, the Halloween Expo and Show is October 14th to the 16th at the Southtown Expo Center. We will be there uh, with bells and whistles. Uh, Booth 344. They're going to put me in we a We have a coffin. number. Yeah, we have a number. Woohoo! Yeah, Bo- Booth 344. Uh, we'll be yes. right across <laughs> right across from the DIY stuff. Right? We will, and yes. Next to the car. We will be giving a commentary on the DIY stuff, apparently. Um, we will have some swag. 
very exciting. So we'll record a whole bunch of stuff while we're there. We'll probably do a lot of Facebook Live if you want to follow us and For just sure. check out some of the stuff going. But go, by all means, go. And and use our promo code, which is the new Utah all together. All 35% off adult tickets or your family passes. There's a lot going on. It's, I mean, I think you said, what, five people from Sci-Fi's Face Off? Yeah, you've got the Jim Hansen Creature Creation guy. There's actually a lot. I was talking to Ryan last night, and they're doing a lot with First, and we actually get to be part of that, which is really cool. Um, but um, Eileen, is that her name, from Neon Trees? Yeah. Um, this will so. be her first performance with their band, oh, like their fi- their first big new, show. Yeah, uh-huh, yep. Um yeah, it's, Come on, and the guy, the guy from Beetlejuice that did that huge carousel, he's coming. Yeah, that made it. The props. yes, he's remember, coming. I don't know if you remember this episode, Josh. You were a little inebriated, but uh, you did <laughs> ask if the guy that when when we talked about him, you're like Beetlejuice is going to be there. I had to sneeze, guys. I had to sneeze, <laughs> <laughs> and then pass out on my couch. Um, so yeah. Please go use that promo code. Um, interestingly enough, you know, it is Halloween season. All the haunted houses are in, are in full effect. Um, and we had talked, when we talked with the, the Halloween Expo guys, we talked about Asylum 49. Uh, and Asylum 49 was just, KSL did a poll, um, and Asylum 49 was ranked number one for the scariest haunted house in Utah. Uh, Fear Factory and Nightmare on 13th came in second and third. Um, but by far, I mean... You know, the, the poll wasn't huge, but, uh, uh, by far, the, uh, Asylum 49 definitely won the vote. If you haven't been to Asylum 49 and you love a good scare, there is no creepier place. And it's not quite the same thing. You don't have as many, like, dudes with fake chainsaws running after you. There are fake chainsaws. There are fake chainsaws. Yeah, and they will grab you. Like, I had people this weekend that went and they, it was a little too much. Well, they're a full contact. Yeah. Yeah, they're a full contact on a house, which is really cool. But the thing that makes Asylum 49 so creepy, you don't have, so one, I never felt like when I was going through it, um, and this was some years ago, but I never felt like, you know, when you go to some of the other haunted houses in, in the area, you end up in a chain, especially the closer to Halloween you go, where everyone's just kind of walking through, and you know the scares happen, but they don't. You really see break it happen to the person in front yeah, of you, and, and then it happens like, to the oh. person behind you. It's not really that scary. They don't have a lot of that stuff. They break the groups up pretty spaciously. One thing is it being in Tooele that helps, right? Because Tooele is a long drive for people. <laughs> it's really creepy out there. Well, Chris, it's, it's, Chris, do you do haunted houses? No, I'm scared. <laughs> you are wise. So I, so it's it's split up, and then they don't do a ton of build out. Like they they decorate some of the rooms, but you don't have all the massive animatronics and everything else. It's a lot of live cast, um, some dummies and stuff, uh, a lot of staged rooms. But it's the actual old mental asylum. Yeah, and, and you're so in an old hospital, and it's well, and the other half is still operating. Yeah, and it's it's a haunted. I mean, it's really a haunted place if you talk to anyone that believes in that stuff. And Jeremy and I actually went through the haunted house at one point <clears throat> and then went through just completely empty. And it was just as scary, if not scarier, at like 2 a.m. Um, when yeah. no one else was in there and it was just all dark and there were no frills or whistles, no power, no electricity or anything like that. It was really, really crazy. So if you are looking for a good scare, 
go to Asylum 49, you will not it's, regret it. Or it's you may. worth the drive for sure. I mean, it's it's Tooele, right? So it's not like going down to Fear Factory downtown and it's, or and it's old town Tooele. It's like yeah. it's out there. But hey, if you're in Tooele, can you vote for Misty K. Snow? <laughs> you absolutely can. If you live in Tooele, you can vote for Misty K. Snow. Oh, good to know. Good to know. Uh, what else? Uh, I'm sure we're not done with all of our festivals because you know it is still just fall. Jess. Oh yes, it is. Um, so. Down at the Galvin Center on Saturday is the Rock and Ribs Fest. It's a free event. It is, they have $3 plates, some local barbecue people. Um, there's also going to be music from the School of Rock, a band called Rust, another one called Reloaded. Yeah, I See, like Rust. But not Rusted Root. Nah, well, I like Rusted Root too. I just don't like the playlist associated with <laughs> <laughs> Josh's face is awesome. Um, another big event, which I believe is being touted as the largest in the nation, is a gluten-free expo on the 8th. It runs from 9 to 5, and it's at the Southtown Expo <laughs> Center. <laughs> I was just waiting. So are they just going to fucking sell, like, rice and gummy candy? I yes. Mean, is that <laughs> so there's going to be... <laughs> uh, a granola bar made with oats and nuts and honey? There, Here, let me give you a list. There's going to be educational classes, demonstrations. There's resources. Is there going to be free celiac testing? At a beer garden. Oh, wait. (laughs) Beer garden? Beer garden? What? Well, this got serious. Like like gluten-free beers, I'm assuming? There are beers that you can drink if you're gluten-free. There are gluten-free beers out there, but most beers are not (laughs) (laughs) gluten-free. Most beers. I want to make a correlation here. Listen, that was in the list. Is gluten. Okay. So, look. (laughs) Legitimately, there are people out there that have celiac disease that actually have an allergy to gluten. I've known a few of them. Yes, I they, know one that even if they touch it, they yeah, have to so go to like, the ER. E- even, even like a tiny bit of gluten in a sauce that's drizzled on something makes their stomach just writhe in agony and they can't digest it and they double over and they're done. Like they're done for hours. Mm-hmm. Even that little bit. Now. Most people that think they have celiac disease and <laughs> decide to go on the, these fucking self-diagnosed assholes that don't actually get blood tests for celiacs, which is how you actually can positively diagnose it. They're like, oh, no, I, I, wheat it's just bad for me, so I don't eat it. Now, hold on. Hold on. First of all, you're right. Those people are bitches. But I also want to point out that the people that d- that take a step away from gluten go on essentially low-carb diets because that's most of what you have. A low-carb diet is a good way to lose weight, and it's a pretty healthy... I mean, paleo is a really healthy uh, diet program. However, I wish people would quit saying they have a gluten intolerance. If you're going to say that, verify that it's true. And that's not- what, an intolerance is not an allergy to gluten. There's there are two different things. If you think your body's intolerant to it, okay, you know, don't eat as much bread, but you don't have to cut it out of your diet entirely, and it certainly doesn't fuck you over whenever you eat it. <laughs> celiacs, the real disease celiacs, just completely screws people when they eat any kind of gluten. Is, a, is it protein in it? Something yeah, it's, like the, that? it's wheat protein. Yeah. That's what gluten is. It's it's protein that comes from wheat. So yes, yeah, so a low carb diet's not a bad thing, but. Really, I would say whole grains is probably a better bet than just a low-carb diet. I disagree. You want to lose 20 pounds, man? You low-carb that shit? It <laughs> melts away. You might want well to take and a butter knife. 
right fucking back the second you eat a piece of bread. Right when you drink a beer. Yep. It doesn't. So there was a summer, <laughs> there was a summer about eight years ago where I went on a, a low carb diet. I was doing the Atkins diet. I lost 45 pounds in a summer. Never looked better. I was so happy that I celebrated by eating every damn piece of cheesecake in the state. And <laughs> it took so me. That's what happened. It, it, exactly <laughs> what happened. But it took Let me. Let me be clear. Cheesecake, no gluten except the crust. Cheesecake the way I ate it? Like between two pieces of bread? <laughs> Deep fried, again, it was fucking gluten-ridden. That's like no gluten, state fair season like year-round. Thin graham cracker crust. Not a lot of gluten going on there, Josh. You're wrong. It was super gluten. <laughs> Not my of, my fact, gluten molecules had capes on your, and, and little masks. Your carbs there are all sugars. And a lot of I'm going to leap over this table and kick your ass right in front of your <laughs> friends here. It's not my fault. The listeners can back me up on this. Eating cheesecake is not akin to eating bread. Chris, you don't, a gateway drug. No. you don't have a good track record of challenging me without <laughs> podcast listeners coming in to validate. Because I don't know. Harriet, Harriet might have there. Chris's back this time. I think Harriet's going to swing in on Harriet. my side. Harriet, Harriet, set us straight. Tell us Chris how wrong he on is. Facebook. If you guys want to set us straight <laughs> on Facebook, it's the New Utah Podcast out on Facebook or Twitter. A lot of people like to talk to us there at TNU Podcast. Listen, we have another really awesome event this weekend okay, what that is it? we have to talk about. At Peterson Farm in Riverton is the Harvest Fest. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that goes from 10 to 3. They'll have some of their favorite food trucks. Uh, their pumpkin patch will be open. Their market will be open. You know, you talk about Peterson Farm a lot. Are you on their payroll? No, but I, that's where I get my Christmas trees. I really like a lot the of, produce. A lot of people do. Yeah. I, uh, I have a Christmas tree that I get every I year. I should be on a lot of people's payrolls. Uh, you should. <laughs> <laughs> the, the big distinction is that she is a big fan of all things local. So if she can get something from a local uh, merchant or something like that, then she always does that. So she knows all the Shh. local merchants. So I, I actually got our banner ordered from a local company. I didn't go to Alpha Graphics. I didn't go to Fast Signs. I found a little tiny local place and I, I called them. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. Buy Girl. local, shop mm. local, drink local. Girl, mm. <laughs> and that's not creepy. Sorry, that was so loud. Okay, there's your there's your quota. One hitting on Jess all fucking. It's been a long time. You got one. Okay, week, Jeremy, like where is seven days? Exactly, Peterson Farms. Can you tell our peeps? Uh, it's uh, it's on the other side of Bangor. It's about a hundred and thirteenth south. Just west of Bangor Highway. I don't know the exact address, but you can see it when you're on Bangor. They have their big signs. Um, What's the back is now Sprouts? Is that the market that they just built there? Yeah, Sprouts. That's just south of that, right? Yes, just south of Sprouts. And by the way, the pumpkin patch is open. Yes, and they're doing carvings too at the fest. They'll have professional pumpkin carvers. I saw a a thing uh, the other day. um, I was on the Food Network or something. there's some town that has broken the world record like six times for the number of carved pumpkins. I think I saw that guy's house on Pinterest. <laughs> that, that's crazy. Like I did the pumpkin fest stuff with Evermore, um, gosh, two years ago now. I don't know. Yeah, it was two years ago. Oh, that was actually really neat. That was really cool. But I'll tell you, carving all those fucking pumpkins suck dick. So, hey, I've got a question for you. Are there pumpkins gluten-free? Because I can't be around gluten pumpkins. <laughs> don't eat the stems, maybe. No, the stems no, are yeah. fine. Oh. They're not, yeah, they're fiber. They're not wheat. Okay. It's See, pumpkin, you're good. Wheat. Okay. And that's the thing. With gluten-free, like, they fucking... <laughs> there's a bag of rice in the grocery store, and it's got one of those fucking gluten-free tags on it. Well, no shit, asshole. It's rice, not wheat. <laughs> but Dude. it may have been produced in a factory that had... 
gluten. I think it was made in a factory downtown. <laughs> it's not a fucking peach in Georgia. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just, I really want to talk about one more short event. Um, just because it's local and I don't know if they get talked about a lot. But Crohn's Hollow is uh, throwing a kids trick or treat event on Saturday. And it's $4 that gets the kids like tickets to do games and they're going to have costume contest. And yeah, it's just going to be really fun. That's 3834 South Main Street from two to five. And Crohn's Hollow is legit. There is zero gluten. That on any one free. of these mother grabbers. So <laughs> you say Crohn's hollow and it makes me think of Crohn's disease. Maybe that's going to be the next <laughs> oh fucking celiacs or something. Crohn's free. Yeah. Crohn's free bread. <laughs> Such bullshit. There's zero Crohn in this. Every fucking, that's like when you get, you know, that bag of licorice that says fat free because there's no fucking fats in it, but it's, it's all loaded sugar. with sugar, which it's turns delicious. right into fat. Excuse me, I'm customs for United States. You're just back from Whore Island. I'm going to need to see your ID. <laughs> Fuck you, sir. There's my <laughs> oh, ID. Oh, yep. There you go. He's le- <laughs> it's legit. Man, gluten free bugs the crap out of me. I know there's legit cases out there, but it just. And we're not talking about the legits. No, no, whatever. They're too legit. No, they're too legit. To I'm glad. I'm glad Josh stepped out of the room momentarily, probably to go blow his nose and pass out on my couch. <laughs> for that you really, to say that, Chris, that really happened in an episode. He didn't eat. He had cold medicine, and he fair, drank like five drinks. That was like a two episode night. We, I mean, we were here recording from about six thirty until after ten. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, didn't eat. He had a cold. He was on cold medicine, <laughs> had a couple drinks, and bam, he was gone. So. Let's talk about some news, though. Um, not as much happening in Salt Lake this week as, as the crazy last week was, but uh, one thing that's gone on the last few days is um, there's been a, uh, it's called Operation Diversion. Uh, it's a, a big crackdown of the city's homeless population. Uh, I say crackdown of the population. I mean, I really mean the crime surrounding it. Really, uh, in the areas, uh, 200 south and 400 south, just west of that Rio Grande depot out there. So if you know the Salt Lake City area, that's where all the homeless people hang out. It's down by the homeless shelter, by the 4th Street Clinic. It's kind of between the two, really. Uh, and that Rio Grande station area over there is where they kind of accumulate, you know, all day. And then at night when they don't get into the shelter, that's really where they kind of hang out. Oh, they're there all day too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Don't, don't let me like diminish the fact. So that I just, I had some friends visit from Baltimore a couple weeks ago. It was their first time in Utah. They were driving cross country to San Francisco. And I mean, you're talking Baltimore, high crime. So I drove them through Salt Lake and I just felt that they needed to see, you know, the reality of what downtown is. And he said he has never seen anything like that, even in Baltimore. He was absolutely floored. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff like that elsewhere. Um, I mean, Utah's not... Portland. Yeah, Port- Portland's really? got a lot of it. Phoenix is really bad. There there are parts of Vegas that are like that. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of them congregating in mass like that... Uh, that that is, I mean, it's a it's really quite the sight because it's not just one time a day. It's it's all day, like you said. And it is worse at night. And I think the biggest issue there is not that they're congregating, but it's all the crime that goes on. So a lot of drug stuff. So uh, Salt Lake City, 
uh, did a raid um, Thursday, last Thursday. Last did you Thursday. say a rave? A raid. With do a do 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 do. No. Josh is spiking again. That's because he decided to come back and start yelling into the <laughs> mic instead of talking into the mic. I haven't touched his level, which means he got up and ate some food, and now he can't speak properly. <laughs> yeah, with a mouthful of food. So anyway, um, so last Thursday they had uh, 12 people go to jail. Uh, 30 went to treatment programs, which I think is really fantastic. Uh, two were taken to a hospital. Um, five others were not evaluated but went directly to jail. So basically they kind of put them all in this big holding area, kind of evaluated where they were if they needed medical attention. Mental health you know, care. Mental health care. Obviously treatment programs for addiction. Um, things like that, and then sent some off to jail. There were some people that they just took straight to jail based on whatever you know was going on. So it wasn't just a, a quick go right to jail sort of thing. Why are you making loving eyes at me? Because you're over here trying to mouth things to me. It's ridiculous. I'm, maybe I'm eating a piece of delicious cheese bread. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> they... Decided to run a second wave um, late last night. We haven't seen the numbers yet on it. Um, since the since the uh, the raid on th- on Thursday night, uh, ten in uh, ten out of the thirty in the treatment area have left the program, and now they're going to be facing charges for that. So I'm sure they'll get picked up on this wave if they're down there again. Um, but yeah, so it's not you know it's it's just kind of a big raid to break up that group. Um, certainly it, it's something that will, uh, will have some impact. Um, the, the, the whole program is being funded, um, in part from the city, in part from the county. Um, really like, uh, 1.2 million from the county, it says here. So six months of intensive drug pe- treatment for 150 people and at least 18 months of criminal prosecutions. It's kind of what that money's cited to, to do. So. It's a big deal, and, and all the talk of moving the homeless shelter and moving that population somewhere else, that's a big deal. It is. Well, and the, the whole thing is, if you can get some of those people help, those that want the help and need the help, that's big, as opposed to just throwing them all in jail or moving them all away, because there are a certain amount of them who are legitimately are down on their luck and really do want help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or just need a leg up to get back in the game. Well, and, and again, you know, if you see homeless people on the street begging for money, don't give it to them. Put it in those meters that Salt Lake City's got around, the, you know, all over the place, the old parking style meters, uh, or give it to the road home because they can do a lot more with it. Uh, and they have programs designed to get these people back on their feet um, and, and not just a quick handout. And, you know, most of the time that you see the guy on the side of the street of the overpass, that dude is treating that like a nine to five job and he dro- is dropped off in a car. He's out there all day. I mean, the chicanery and bullshit that I see on those street corners is just a bunch of crap. Yeah, you know, I, I read a story once. Um, it was this reporter who had wrote uh, a, a piece. You know, he was following every, every you know, he worked in Beverly Hills, and every time when he was driving home from work, he'd see the same guy on the same corner. And so one day he just kind of decided to follow the guy to see where he went after, you know, because you notice with homeless people, you know, when I was in Chicago working, they would come out from like six to nine. They're out on the street begging. They disappear. They're out from 12 to one and then they're back out from about four to six thirty or so. And then they all vanish. They're not out anymore begging and they all end up at the liquor stores at seven o'clock. I, I discovered, uh, when I went to the liquor <laughs> store about seven o'clock, but 
that's kind of the case. Like you don't see them on freeway overpasses at, you know, 10 in the morning or at, you know, 2.30 in the afternoon. You see them during rush hour and that's really it. And I know because I drive around during the middle of the day all the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a nine-to-five job for a lot of these people. Don't, don't give money to those, to those people. I mean, unless you just want to say... You know, I want to support your career choice as a, as a panhandler. Yeah. So this guy, he followed this dude, um, follows him a couple blocks. The guy walks around a corner and gets into a freaking nice BMW. And so he actually Mother stopped. Mother checkers. Yeah, so he stops the guy the next day and he confronts him about it. And the guy said, well, you know, I, I decided at one point, you know, I was down on my luck. I started making money doing this and I decided I can make more doing this than a nine to five job. So I'm going to do this, and as long as it continues to pay my bills and clearly I'm doing well, I'm going to continue to do it. So the problem I have, and then I'll stop Bogart in the mic, I promise, but they are doing nothing useful for society other than maybe money catharsis, where people give money and they feel like they're doing a good deed, and so they go home and they maybe they treat their dogs just a little bit more gentle that night. Maybe the wife gets an extra smooch because, man, look at me, I'm a... I'm a kind person, but you are not actively contributing to the economy, except for the liquor store economy, which I believe is happening. But don't do it. If you really want to help those people, uh, and I think you should, I think we have a, um, an obligation as members of the community to do that, give it to the right people and places that are going to do something beneficial with it. And the road home is a great example of it. I didn't know about the, um, the old... Stuff and things that you mentioned. The meters. The meters. Oh, I didn't meters? know about that. Yeah, there's there's one. So there's one right at the Salt Palace Convention. So they're all over downtown. They're painted red. They're on corners. They look just like the old parking meters. They're the little point the coin in, turn the handle. Um, but they go directly to the homeless organizations here cool. in the state. I didn't know that. So, so, by the way, Josh, if you see someone that's homeless, that's dressed as a clown, you can't shoot him. I can't shoot him for... Which thing? Both. Period. End of subject. You just... Don't shoot anyone. (laughs) No shit, really. (laughs) I thought you were anti that anyways. I am anti-guns, but I'm just trying to understand the law. I I will point out, though, I am anti-clowns. They're creepy. Well, so there's a whole thing going on, right? So not just here in Utah. I mean, it's really started in Utah and Tooele and now Orem. It's big in Florida at the moment. And Minnesota and Virginia. Yeah, across the country, there's all these stories of these creepy fucking clowns, like, terrorizing children. And I know it's Halloween season, but it ain't Halloween. Yet, and so Orem police are getting calls, and one of the questions they got was, "Can I shoot or take action against someone that's dressed up like a clown?" Fuck no, you can't. You three can't weeks, just shoot someone three weeks before Halloween. Yeah. Can I go shoot ahead. somebody dressed like a clown? Go ahead and bust out your guns, folks. You shoot know it's going to happen, though. Yeah, some kid's going to die that was dressed as a clown because it's Halloween. Okay, (laughs) any nitwit who legitimately has to ask, am I okay to shoot a clown, is part of the problem. Well, the person that's going to shoot a clown is not going to call the police and ask first. No, and that person really, they should be shot. We need a culling of the herd, and they are the people that need to They are the weakest link. They were probably at the gun show a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Probably shooting the concrete. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or giving the guy a gun that you loaded and cut the uh, zip tie off of in the show. That, that would probably be the same group Fucking of people. Morons. So, uh, speaking of a funny shit, uh, Comic-Con. I guess that's not funny. Could be. No, it's not a comedian con, you <laughs> dipshit. So, so, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Salt Lake is, Utah is the geekiest the state in the nation. A lot of polls have found that. A lot, lot, of, lot of different... 
things have found that. Josh is doing a really horrible dance right now. <laughs> it's online it's online just, metrics. Yeah, Brian Brandenburg explained it all. So anyway, uh, Utah is quite quite the geeky place, and, and our Comic-Con is fantastic. Uh, we've talked about it uh, at length. Um, but one of the things we really haven't talked about is, is they've had a lawsuit kind of in the works for the last couple of years, actually. So San Diego Comic-Con uh, thinks they own the trademark for Comic-Con. And the argument from Salt Lake Comic-Con is... You can't trademark Comic-Con because it's such a widely used term. It's comic convention. New York Comic-Con, Chicago Comic-Con. Baltimore Comic-Con. Now, little known fact, they actually do have a copyright on the phrase Comic-Con with a hyphen. That is copyrighted. Yeah, but they dropped that. That's not how they do San Diego Comic Con. That's one of the things that's crazy. They dropped that, that, that uke. So they do hold that trademark with the hyphen, but they abandoned it in 95 when they tried to get Comic Con without the hyphen. So the reason I bring this up is, um, we may just have, have gotten another big push. He in just that throat case. punched San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, I mean, really. So Stanley has a con that's oh. been going on for a while. And it's not even Thursday. Yeah, it's throat punch Thursday. It, it's, uh, he's, I think it was called Kamikaze or something like that, or Stanley something or other. No, it was, it, yeah, it Kamikaze. was Kamikaze. Yeah. So he's changing the name now officially to Stanley's Los Angeles. Comic Con, no hyphen. Boo. No yeah. hyphen, bitches. You know, and, and LA is actually declaring October 28th, which is the opening day of the event, Stan Lee Day. The motherfucker has a day named after him now. It only took him, what, 95 years? Dude, he's got a oh, day. Oh, 93, maybe. He's always got like three or four hot blonde chicks hanging off of his ha- arm that look like they're his great granddaughters. The acronym for, for Stan Lee Day is the same, but in a different order as LDS uh, or LSD. Or LSD. Which we like better. Which we like better. I think Stan Lee's Hugh Hefner's long-lost brother. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> they look a lot alike. <laughs> in that picture, they but do, anyway, yes. So that's a big thing. If, if he's renaming a Comic-Con really in a city next door to San Diego, Comic-Con, they're, they're going to lose all basis for that, that claim. I mean, they're not... They're going to have to sue everyone, and they'll lose every case. Well, and I know we, we've talked about it before, and we don't necessarily want to go totally down this road, but Comic-Con's San Diego Comic-Con tried to buy out Salt Lake Comic-Con, tried to take over Salt Lake Comic-Con. So they've been at, they've been at war well, with... And, and they're going to struggle, right? San Diego Comic-Con, really the big thing hampering them right now is... They're in the San Diego Convention Base. Center, which yeah. is garbage. It's small. It's tiny. And they may move it to Las Vegas. So when they move it to Vegas, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So this is an interesting story, and I don't know the validity of this, but it is interesting to me. Apparently, the, the legend has it that someone from the Salt Lake Comic Con drove down in a car that was labeled with all the Salt Lake City Comic Con stuff and, like, drove down and, like, had the windows open was like, Salt Lake Comic Con, right outside the San Diego yeah, Comic Con. That's, that's, that's legit. That yeah, happened. That happened. That probably happens each year, I would assume. It's our good friend. Oh. Yeah, it does happen. Clever. It does happen. Okay, that's a substantiated legend now. So, um, we're going to talk about one other thing tonight, and that's the University of Utah you know, hospital system, um, which is a fantastic hospital system, I've always thought, uh, but turns out there's some credence to that. So it was actually named, uh, ranked first among academic hospitals for both quality and accountability. Uh, th- this rating system is a little different because unlike other rating systems that attempt to qualify a hospital's reputation by subjective measures, healthcare services company Vizenzen, or 
Vizent, I don't know. Vizient. Vizient. Um, they use some quantifiable metrics. They, they look at safety, timelines, effectiveness, um, and correlate with, with what you would consider quality in a healthcare system. So that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, the University of Utah Medical Center, number one for quality and accountability in the nation. Over well, so, Mayo Clinic. Yeah, yeah over Mayo Clinic, say, over the, Mayo uh, Clinic. the Sinai Clinic. Sinai, yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are, and if you guys know Mayo Clinics, if you know Cedar Sinai out in Los Angeles, I mean, these are humongous, behemoth institutions that are thought of as amazing, amazing care centers. So that, that's a huge deal. So uh, I, I want to interject. I actually work for the University of Utah Hospitals and, and Clinics. And can I tell you that they work hard for this every day it's not lip service and it's also not one of those uh, awards or recognition that you fall into like this has been the goal forever and and every day they actively work towards it and i'm so proud to be part of this great organization because of this so this article comes from ksl it's a fairly well-written story and one of the things they talk about that really put the University of Utah Hospital up in, in this, this echelon in this ranking is some of the stuff that they do to improve care. So one example that they were talking about is they were noticing that after hip and knee joint replacements, they were, it's a high volume procedure, so they do a lot of them. Uh, and there's a big variability in costs. Uh, and you know, they were looking at outcomes. And so one of the things that they noticed is when patients were having those procedures later in the day, they were having poorer outcomes. The length of stay uh, was increased. And so what they started looking at is why. Well, most of your therapists are gone later in the day. So they started moving all those sort of procedures to earlier in the morning. And lo and behold, um, the uh, joint replacement costs fell by 11%. And the quality of so care improved. because they got out of surgery late at night and just went to bed versus surgery in the morning and then were able to... No, no, no. They did the surgeries in the morning while they still had staff there. So they were able to get the therapy before that staff went home. So, you know, when you have surgery of, of any type, really, there's physical therapy involved afterwards. Um, you know, whether it's just to get you out of bed or, you know, respiratory therapy to make sure that you're breathing properly. But, but with this sort of stuff, it's getting your leg, you know, with knee and hip replacement, it's getting your leg mobile very quickly. Getting movement as quickly as and, you can. Yeah, you have to do it quickly. You can't just let it sit for three days. So they've got machines that move your leg up and down. Well, the therapists do all that work with you. And if they're gone at seven o'clock, you get out of surgery at four. By the time you wake up from anesthesia and you're able to see a therapist, they're gone. So you, you don't see one the until the next day. day. So you end up spending more time in the hospital. You end up having complications because you're not moving as quickly. It takes longer to recover. Um, so, I mean, it's that kind of stuff. That's just one example of where they've looked at ways to not just increase efficiency in the hospital, but really provide a better outcome for their patient. That, that's, that's what they're really focused on, which for an educational hospital is fantastic. The standard is really high. I mean, you, you talked about it earlier in, in the segment, um, but there's, there's some really recognizable names that have been doing this forever who just, they, they attract some of the best staff in the world because they've got these stellar reputations. So this is not easy. And it is the proudest moment of, of probably this organization's career is getting to, to number one. Well, and, and to that point, being number one will attract 
better staff to the hospital. It will attract bigger names to the university to be professors, to be, you know, doctors. It will attract more students to well, the they're university. They're saying people clear from Singapore are coming over because yeah. of. Yeah, well, and if you've been up to the university life. healthcare system, you see a lot of international students up there now. So it's the University of Utah is wonderful, but we but I want to point out here in Utah we have more than just that. We've got Primary Children's Hospital that leads in its fields. We've got the John Moran Eye Center, Huntsman we, Cancer. We have the Huntsman Cancer. Well, the Huntsman Institute. Cancer Institute's tied to the university healthcare system, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, and you know what else is? The Moran Eye Center. Yeah. So, so all of these industry leading sub primary children's the 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 it's IMC though, right? That's not university. Yeah, primary is its own. But isn't uh, is is Shriners tied to the university oh. healthcare system up there uh, up above the U? I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure. But the I, point I is, we, we've got a lot of these wonderful health facilities, and a lot of them are, are leading the way in their fields. Well, and even if you don't look at the university healthcare system, even IMC, I mean, they're they're leading the way in their uh, development of you know um, fake hearts. Different, different kinds of, of, of heart things. Artificial uh, yeah, hearts. Artificial right. hearts. Which is a Utah's own that we can talk about. Yeah, in I the mean, future. that's, that's a, that's a big deal for sure. I mean, Utah created the artificial heart that we see today. Um, you know, the, so there, there's a lot of great medical innovation going on here in the state of Utah. Do, do you know what the unofficial nickname of the artificial heart is? Old Thumper? No. Although. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're going to give me a bullshit answer, I'm going to be mad because I can't remember it, but I've seen it before. <laughs> You're going to give me a bullshit answer. You know, I'm going to give you a bullshit answer, but the old thumper was so funny, I can't even legit, follow that up. There is a legit name for it, and I can't freaking remember what it is. Dude, old thumper rocks. I was going to say it's the Josh Butterfield. So old thumper. I couldn't decide what we were going to name this episode, if we were going to name it gluten intolerance or old thumper. Old now. thumper. Old thumper sounds good, but I love old I, you know, I'm still pissed off about the gluten bullshit. So gluten intolerance may still win. We'll we'll see how I'm feeling tomorrow after I listen to us all talk for the an hour. tyranny of naming. All right. Uh like I said, with us today is Chris Barlow. The uh owner and proprietor of uh Beehive Distillery. Yeah, I'm one of three. One of three. So how did you get into uh distilling? Oh, it was a long history of drinking. I just kind of figured it was a <laughs> thing. That's a really good start. Those are the best stories. <laughs> no, it was, uh, well, it's kind of that, but just a couple of buddies talking one time and decided we should have a distillery, and then we did. So is gin your drink of choice? Uh, yeah, I drink a lot of gin. <laughs> and do you drink a lot of gin now because you uh, because of what you do, or was that your drink of choice beforehand? Yeah, it's kind of both, I'd say. I did before. I definitely drink probably more now. Uh, it's it's one of those you drink more quality in general, control or or just more gin. Uh, I drink more in public <laughs> than I used to. Well, I'll drink to that. Uh, no, it's it's just yeah, I drink gin. I think kind of everything. So, have you ever read the comic Milk and Cheese? <laughs> Never. Okay, well, Milk and Cheese has a motto. Gin makes a man mean. That's not true. <laughs> well, it makes mil- Milk and Cheese mean. They're sociopaths. Do you have a, a favorite gin drink that you like, or, or just straight? Or Yeah, I, I definitely go back to kind of the more old school cocktail, so I'll do your gimlets, your last calls, or sorry, your last words. Last calls, I hear those a lot, too. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> is the last call more please 
Yeah, no, the it's, calls it's, Can I get my uh, two drinks? <laughs> <laughs> and then kick us out so we can uh, drive home drunk, right? Take Uber, folks. Take Uber. Don't. Yeah, Uber. I just spent <laughs> a weekend in Portland and Ubered all over the town. It's, you know, in places like Portland, even in downtown Salt Lake, it's a fantastic way to get around, uh, for sure. So, um, with gin, um, now that you make your own gin, is your own gin your favorite gin? You can be honest here. Yeah, and it's uh, gluten-free, too, so we got that going for us. What? I am going to drink shit tons of that stuff it now. just tastes like a fucking pine tree, right? No. I mean, that's kind of your old-school gin. Definitely, right. definitely everybody, we do lots of events where we'll have, you know, we'll hand out little quarter-ounce samples for people, most of them out of state, a lot of times out of state people to taste. You always get the people, oh, I hate gin. It tastes like a pine tree. It's like, well, that's because you drank your mom. That's because you drank the bottom shelf plastic the bottle bottom shelf gin. That you yeah. stole from your mom in high school 45 years ago. <laughs> so just drink it and try it. But uh, you do you do use juniper berry, right? Because yeah, that's, yep. I mean, that's what makes gin. Definition of gin, according to the TTB, which is the federal government that regulates what is and what isn't different spirits, uh, it's predominantly juniper flavor, which. By that rationale, anything that has a juniper berry in it is juniper because they can't really say, oh, well, this one doesn't taste enough like juniper. So yeah. That is Sounds so like Christmas cool. in a bottle. It's holidays. It's happy. <laughs> Each one's a present. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really interested in these scenarios where you, you give out these quarter ounce just tasters. <laughs> and I read, I read a really cool um, article that basically said you got an educational license where you can basically have people come on for educational purposes mm-hmm. and have a small sample. Yes. So how do you handle that? Uh, it's so, so what that is is it's an educational license that allows people to come to the distillery and do a, basically do a tasting. Uh, they wrap it around the fact that you are actually teaching about gin. So we'll start with a little you know, educational process. You come in, we tell you where gin comes from, its history, its origins, how it's traditionally produced, how we produce it. Then we kind of walk you through the botanicals that we use, which I don't know if you know much about gins, but basically every gin out there has a different botanical list. They all have juniper, and then from there, sky's the limit, huh? Whatever, yeah, just about whatever you can think of. And then we'll do that, and then we can actually run it through our process with our still, and they can see how we make it, and they can taste it. And then they can taste it next to the botanicals, so they get the real flavor profiles of what we're putting in there into the gin. Oh, that's so really truly, cool. That's awesome. truly is an educational thing. You are so effing cool. So that was so that's uh, that's interesting to, to get that educational piece so that you can offer those those small tastings. Because really, at the heart of, uh, of any tour of a distillery or a brewery, I mean, that's a lot of what people want to do is they want to be able to sample what's there so they can decide, yes, I want to buy this and, and this is the one that I want. I know some other distilleries, you know, not necessarily gin, but for instance, um, the, it's um, the whiskey? High West. High West. High West has had a lot of problems being able to do tastings of their various whiskeys. Um, and, and they don't have that, that educational permit. No, they so. Did. They do. They, they do now? Well, and now, and actually the last session of Congress or whatever the knuckleheads up on. That was July 1st, right? The yeah, new law? Yeah, effect July 1st. Yeah. So as of July 1st, I can offer a sample that people, they have to pay for it. I can't do anything for free. Yeah. Uh, the big no-no in the state's giving alcohol away for free. God so, forbid you give a drink to someone. Uh, uh, especially to someone in need who just I needs know. a drink. <laughs> that's that's me. God. And it's gluten-free? Everybody needs it. 
for you. Yeah. It's just mind numbing how you can't give away a taste. It's ridiculous. Well, it's it's like I get it. Like I understand where they're coming from. It's a controlled substance. Like I, I get it. Like there's rules. There's it's because if you place. give it away, they don't get their piece of the action. Well, that's not true because I should be able to say that you know Beehive Distilling bought a bottle for tastings, yeah, and I still pay taxes on that. But I can't do that. I've got I've got a charge for it, which is fine. But it, but the new law is that you can do. You can do tastings. That's good. There's a bunch of weird rules as far as you got to be behind a Zion curtain, in which that's a whole nother <sighs> level of dumbness. Well, you heard, about, you heard about the Eccles Theater, right? Did you hear about the crap going on there? Uh-uh. So the new Eccles Theater downtown. <laughs> it looks we, amazing. We talked about this last week. Yeah, it looks great. Just opened. So they have a bar on the first floor. And from the third floor balcony, you can see drinks being made. So they cannot serve wine or hard alcohol until they find some way to block the balcony overlook from the third floor. Bullshit. That's a Zion scene. Because, you know, you're exactly. standing on that third floor and you look down and you see a drink being made. You're instantly an alcoholic if you're a child. That's how the devil gets in. It's a slippery <laughs> slope. Yeah. I mean, the next thing you know, they're going to be watching hardcore pornography. It's <laughs> just the Eccles Theater. You know, it, look. You go to the theater to see a show. You see someone make a drink. Now you're watching hardcore pornography, which we know is a public health risk in the state of Utah. So they're just putting the entire public at risk by doing that. They're just protecting us. That's the logic that I get out of that. It's ridiculous. Thank you. So, uh, (laughs) but wait, really quick on the distillery tours. That's not. That's not abnormal to charge, though. I mean, I was in Brooklyn and and had to pay to go to the uh, Widow Jane. Uh, tour yeah no i mean it's 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 how it is it's it's how it is everywhere it's like nobody gives it away for free do you do you just roll like the cost of the the taste into the tour cost how does that work yeah definitely we just say like the way the state has has you do it is they basically tell you it can't be less than the retail purchase price so rough roughly if you have a 25 dollar bottle with 25 ounces in it you can't charge less than a buck an ounce that makes sense. So it's. Do you do full ounce tastes? We can, yeah. We nope. can do up to two and a half, two Hell and a half ounces. Yeah. Now, can you? <laughs> it's like a little medicine cup. That's yeah. what they did at the distillery in Brooklyn. Can you sell bottles of your own gin? Yes, because we have a the Type Five package agency license. Fantastic, fantastic. Because wow. and that's, I mean, these are tough things. I mean, I'm, I'm asking these questions because they're tough things for businesses to get in Utah, as we're starting to see more people want to open up distilleries and breweries, they're having to get similar licensing, and it's it's not easy. What kind of problems did you go through with that process? Uh, it was, I mean, it was actually kind of, it wasn't that horrible. There was definitely hoops to jump through. Uh, a lot of the bigger hoops were basically, basically, I don't know, if you have any distillers on here that have talked about this? Uh, not You're yet. Our first. You're our we first. We had distiller. a cidery last week. Yeah, but. They're, well, they're, they're probably sort of similar. <laughs> but So basically, to start the whole process, you have to go to the feds. And you've got to get a license from the federal government saying that you can distill in your home state. That process takes anywhere from six months to years to get, depending on how fast you can get through the process. Once you get that, then you can go to the state and say, hey, I've got my federal license. Now I need to get my state license because the feds will give you license and say you're cool. Go ahead as long as your state says you're cool. So then you got to go to the state. You got to go to your local authorities. You got to talk to the fire, the building code, the health department the department of ag just to make it in your in your tub you don't make it in your tub that's a <laughs> so, so that's why you have to have a, a, there was federal a, there license was a, there was a guy who 
this was years ago. This was before we were open. There was a guy who the the drug enforcement, whoever that is, broke down his door, raided his house because they were looking for, they thought he was making meth. And I think he was. Like, I think he was actually making meth. <laughs> but the entire article is how they found a still in his basement. This okay, is in the okay. this is in the trip. Like it was a it was it's like, okay, so the guy's cooking meth, but you bust him for making a gallon of hooch every once in a while. Wow. What did they do with the still? Can can we I get have, our hands on that? I have did they no auction idea. it? It was it wasn't a good one. I saw pictures. <laughs> you don't want it. Well, not only that, but I bet all the meth stuff seeped in and Yeah, bad, I have no bad idea. mojo. It okay. was just it's just there's there's bad juju with making alcohol at home. Okay. Yeah, bath, bathtub gin is bad. Well, I'm writing but off bathtub gin off my bucket list. <laughs> bath There's tub really a brand gin. that is bathtub gin, though. There so. is. There's it's also legit. a brand called Moonshine, and it's freaking terrible, and Jeremy tries to buy it every year. <laughs> when it's not really Moonshine. No, that's and the it's thing. terrible, terrible liquor. The cherries are good. Jeremy. No, they're really not. <laughs> if it's not made on the moon, it's not moonshine. It's not moonshine. <laughs> exactly. So, so, but there, there is real moonshine that gets made. I mean, down down south in mm-hmm. Kentucky and Alabama, Arkansas, there's a lot of moonshine that gets made down there in those states, especially in the wooded areas. So, yep. so I don't want to totally change directions, but I kind of do. Will you talk about the barrel process? Because that is yeah. amazing well, to me. Well, first... Why don't you talk about the two gins you have? Okay, because yes. the barrel process is part of one of them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll go into all that. So we basically do two gins. They're both uh, traditional London dry styles, which means that they're pot distilled with botanicals, and then there's nothing added post distillation except for water. So we're not adding glycerin or sweeteners or anything like that for mouthfeel or anything. So it's the straight distillation. We take that, we water it down to bottling proof, and throw it in the bottle. Uh huh. And then what? It's glorious. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and then for the, for the barrel reserve, it's essentially the same gin. I use the same botanicals. I do it a little bit differently and run the still a little differently. But the big difference there is I'm taking French oak Chardonnay casks, big 60 gallon Bordeaux. Oh. And I pull the heads apart and I fire them. Uh huh. So I burn them real heavily, put them all back together and put the gin in it for about 10 months or a year. So can wow. you explain for those that don't know, what does that process do? It uh, so so everything that comes off of a still is going to be clear if you do it right. If you do it wrong, it's going to be blue, and then you don't want to drink it. So uh, Bombay Sapphire, the blue bottle. That's, that's just, just the bottle. Okay. That's just the bottle. Perfectly good product. That's just the bottle. Uh, so everything that comes off is going to be clear. Your whiskeys, your dark rums, your dark tequilas, all that kind of stuff you get from the oak in the barrel, from the chars in the barrel. So it imparts uh, a really kind of Honey, vanilla, nutty flavor. It has a lot of those flavors you typically associate with a whiskey. And it pulls it from the, the wood. It pulls the it from the correct. char, yeah. You've yeah. got a gin masquerading as a whiskey. Yes. Where is this now? Where is this living right now at this moment? Because I need one right now. Liquor store. <laughs> yeah. Do, are you in our liquor stores? Yeah, yeah. I'm in all of them. Well, that's awesome. How long have you been there? Two and a half years? Where have you been? I've been buying your product. I was just quizzing you, but you passed the quiz, everyone. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think Josh is a gin drinker, to be honest. I, think I'm, I'm a, I, have I knew there was something weird about you. I am a whiskey drinker. Yeah, I, we're, all, we're all whiskey men. Oh, I'm leaving. See you guys. Check Wait, it out. Oh, no. <laughs> Fine, I'll come back. He just did a mic drop. You didn't see it, podcast <laughs> listeners, but it was awesome. I brought you in to educate them. So Yeah, no, well, okay, so 
So do the barrel reserve, use it in place of a whiskey. I mean, if you drink your whiskey with an ice cube, drink it with an ice cube. If you do uh, an old-fashioned with a little bit of simple syrup, some bitters, big ice cube. Mm. I, I drink my whiskey like I drink my ladies, just in a glass. Dry. With nothing in it. Totally dry. <laughs> do that. Wait that's... a minute. That doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> I know. I don't know where you're going with this, but keep going. <laughs> no, I don't know either. I don't think we should encourage him to keep going. <laughs> no, no. It takes the pressure off me. Go for it. <laughs> no, this is The really more weird shit you say, the better I'm going to be. So what uh, what sets you guys at, at Beehive apart from other gins? Uh, it's our botanical bill for sure. I mean, that's with gin. That's kind of that's kind of what you hang your hat on is the the stuff that you put into your gin to give it its unique flavor. How how did you research what you were going to use for botanicals? Uh, a lot of YouTube, man. Awesome, well, and well, that it, makes so much sense to me. And just really, there's you know, there's we we didn't go too crazy. We have seven botanicals in there. Uh, probably five of them are found in a lot of other gins, not. All five in the same gin, though, but it, so we kind of picked flavors that we like from different gins and different flavors that we thought would go together, and then you just start making gin and tasting it. So, so you guys, you and you and your your two partners, you guys just kind of started testing and experimenting at some point. Then, yep. And you guys do all that creation yourself. Yep. Did any of you guys go to culinary school or any kind of bartending school or, you know, the Distillery Academy of the United States of America? <laughs> that probably doesn't exist. I've always drank a lot. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, so we, so we come from, uh, commercial photography design branding backgrounds. That's our, that's our backgrounds. Is that something you have to have in Salt Lake? Because, you know, Steve Conlin's involved in photography from Ogden's own. No, and I don't know. You guys just have mad skills. This goes yeah, hand do you in guys, hand. Do you guys have like a like a distillery brewery club that you're all yeah, secret we're, members of? Yeah, we're working on starting up a guild, a distiller's guild. Are you oh, being that's serious? Really cool. Yeah, totally serious. That's yeah, I was kind of joking, but that's really cool. Yeah, actually, see, but, Smarty? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He's on He's on Team Josh. I don't know if he got that, Chris. You know, I so, keep sorry, having to turn Team Josh down. How, how, can I, how can I join this distillery's club without distilling? I will find out. I'm in. I don't think you can. I'll no, you can. Cigars. No, no. I think you legitimately. I think you. I think it's. Well, you've only been working on it for a few months now, so getting the bylaws all figured out, getting all that kind of stuff figured out. And honestly, I've missed like the last few meetings because I always have events, and I'm like missing tomorrow's to go to an event. Uh, but they want to do like a friends of the guild thing where you can sign up, and I don't know how much. It'll probably like fifty bucks, hundred bucks, something. But then you get to go to the events. You get. Well, whatever, really cool. whatever perks. Like I'll let you guys know. You, if you let us know, we will post it on uh, our blog and yeah. also Facebook, and we'll we'll get the word out. I mean, if you want people to know about this, then we would love to be the mouthpiece for something like this. And when I say mouthpiece, I mean mouth I'm going to be piece. there. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say mouthpiece? Mouthpiece. Mouthpiece. It's the same thing, oh, really. Mouth. Mouth. Mouthpiece. Okay, continue. Where were we? We were talking about how we got into this. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, yeah, no, just one of my partners was at my house one day and kind of half passing said that we should have a distillery. And I said, yeah. And then we did a distillery. <laughs> Best laid plans. How did, how did, oh, the <laughs> class. You're asking about classes. So we I went down. We toured quite a few distilleries in Colorado. Uh, and they were just kind of super informal chatting them up they were always everybody's great and helpful i did take a couple classes to learn about some stuff but a lot of it was honestly just trial and error just hands-on 
It's cool. After you got your federal license. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't do too good in school. <laughs> so how did you come by all of your equipment? Is that stuff you buy, you make, you find, uh, you... Yeah, all of it. Uh, we started, We started. I, I drew up our still and had a guy uh, fabricate it for us. And our other stuff, like our mixing tanks and blending tanks. And yeah, you just... It's. I spent a lot of time just on the internet because it's not an industry that we come from. So I mean, like I had to learn what hose I could use that was, what safe with the alcohol, and I had to use what pump I could use that wouldn't blow up, and I had to figure out, <laughs> you know, what I mean, like legitimately though, I right. I make an I the first stuff that comes off the still is about 175 proof, tad flammable. So it's a little bit flammable. Oh my! So gosh, you kind of got to figure out what's so going good. on. But you have both of your eyebrows and your goatee. So yeah. See, there's that. <laughs> well, that's the, that's why he has a goatee now. Yeah, used to have a beard like mine. <laughs> I could never have a beard like yours. I get mange. The <laughs> sides the sides don't come in. Josh gets lazy, is what he gets right there. I get lazy. Face. I think it looks quite dashing though myself. So I do have one other question for you, uh, Chris. We ask everyone that's on the podcast this: uh, What's the one thing you would tell someone visiting Utah that they had to do before they left? Just leave so there's not so many people here. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of no, Utah interloper. Uh, no, I would tell people I would tell people that they should hit the national parks that are in Utah. I think if they got time it's I don't know how many there's five or six or something in the state. Yeah, I think there's there's six national parks yeah, in the state. They, yeah, it's like Utah, you gotta get outside. I mean Do you, do you have a favorite? The ones that are outside. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that have juniper? Yeah. Now, the juniper around here is no good. Yeah. Really? Where do you get your juniper from? Albania, actually. Whoa. Most of the most of the culinary juniper comes from Italy and Albania, and there's a few reasons. The juniper the juniper tree that we source from is juniper communis, which is a different species than is growing native around here. And we did tests where we would take them and we would macerate them, so you basically soak them in alcohol to extract out the flavors mm-hmm. and then we could taste them and it was a totally different flavor a really astringent kind of bitter flavor and then the other problem that you would have is i can i can blow through 50 pounds of juniper in a couple weeks me too so just think about like sourcing yeah that's a lot your fingers are going to be tired and i don't want to be in the juniper picking business <laughs> do you get do you get i mean is it is it does that kind of increase the cost to have to import and and do yeah. all that oh for sure yeah yeah, yeah. No, I get, I get. Gin's one of those spirits that back, back when it started to get popular after, like it came along kind of like the spice, spice trade time. So mm-hmm. juniper or not juniper, sorry, gin is kind of a real worldly spirit. I mean, the spices come from all over that go into gin. I mean, some have cardamom in them. We don't. Some have like kind of literally everything you can think of. So are most of your botanicals locally sourced outside now, of the juniper? Or, or? None of them. It's, of well, think about it. We're in Utah. What yeah. can you grow that's year-round? I, I make stuff year-round. So we, So we... <laughs> 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 uh, so, you know, we do juniper from Albania. Uh, we have coriander from Canada. Uh, grains of Paradise and orris root are both from Morocco. We do rose petal from Pakistan. We do lemon zest from France. And our sage either comes from usually California or Mexico, depending on Where the season. Yeah. 
Well, that's really cool. I, I appreciate you uh, taking some time to talk about this stuff with us. It's very uh, informative. Hey, do me a favor. when if, if you feel like it, and if you can, like peel apart the curtain Oh, a I can. Bit, take, take some pictures of like your setup, your rig. Because that is really interesting to, for me to think that a brand a person who's brand new to this industry designed the steel and had it fabricated, and like I would just love to see what it looks like and you share know, that out with our listeners. You know how you could do that, Josh. We could go visit the distillery, take one of the educational tours, and take pictures of it. You could do that. Oh, that, that is a novel concept. Could someone say that in a language that isn't being a bitch? <laughs> why, why don't you just come over and check it out for yourself? Oh, hey. <laughs> great. That's a great idea. <laughs> Ass hat. <laughs> Ask stupid questions, and that's what you get. I get it a lot. Well, thanks for joining us, Chris. Yeah, no uh, worries. How does how do people find you, by the way? We're on Facebook, Internet, the computer thing. Computer stuff. Yeah, I, I try at, computer uh, stuff. Distillery. Yeah, BeehiveDistilling.com. Or distillery.com. Like our stores. Yeah, go check out their, their, their gins. They are, what are they called the again? Jackrabbit Gin and the Barrel Reserve. And are you carried in any local restaurants that people can taste you? Yeah, we're... Everywhere? The last, the last report that I got that was a year old, we were in 130 restaurants, bars, and... You Perfect. have made it. Like, if you can't find it, you're not looking. Are there any gin bars in Salt Lake? Not gin-specific. I know there's, like, whiskey bars and there's, yeah. you know, the beer bar and... Gin's the bastard spirit. <laughs> yeah, it makes, hey, how does makes it, men how angry. How does it pair with uh, cigars? The barrel reserve would be great. Ooh, girl. <laughs> Not you a girl, but a girl. Maybe just there's a girl. That's, just in general. Uh, and I think we're done for the night. You can uh, reach us out, uh, reach out to us, or, or reach us on Facebook at the New Utah Podcast. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at TNU Podcast. Uh, please, if you like the show, share it on Facebook when you see the link. You know, retweet it on Twitter. Uh, feel free to uh, leave comments, uh, post up reviews on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, Come say hi next weekend. We'll yeah, we, again, we'll be at the uh, Halloween Expo. Utah Haunted uh, Halloween Expo. Uh, and the, show. That's not this weekend. It's next weekend, the 14th, 15th, and 16th. Yep. Friday, at the Southtown Expo uh, Center. Yeah, at Southtown Expo Center. We'll have a booth. We'll be talking to people. We'll be looking at crazy shit. Um, we'll Josh, will, Josh will probably have some of his, his games for sale uh, that he created that are you know spooky themed, I guess. Um, they're pretty great games, actually. Uh, and uh, Jeremy helped create one of them actually yep. so uh it will be uh a fun event again use the uh, promo code the new utah to get 35 percent off your adult passes or family passes everyone needs a discount hey before we go there's just one last thing if i can real quick and i just wanted to say that the event happened this last weekend for the uh fourth west Oktoberfest. And, uh, we had a, an opportunity, Jess had an opportunity to get down there and visit them. It was a huge success. Um, and we just want to look forward to, if you haven't checked out their, um, their website and if you haven't gone up to visit them, please do. This That's is a gr- uh, Mountain West Cider, right? Yes. Yes. But it's a, it's a great little company. They, they threw on a great show. Um, had some cool events and stuff like that. And, uh, we just wanted to thank them for joining the show and also for, you know, making Utah a cool place to spend the weekend. Yeah. And again, get out and vote. Um, Misty K. Snow will have a debate on October 12th at 6 p.m. Yes. Uh, it'll be broadcast on quite a few stations. Um, get out and vote this, this, this year, guys. Just, uh, 
about a month away from uh, the actual election date, and your ma- your ballots will be mailed in in a week from today, actually. So you should start seeing those ballots next week. So make sure you vote. It's really important. Hallelujah, brother. Josh, say good night. Good night, Josh. All right, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs>